0: Everybody. Welcome to Drive 3 View 513. Today we're going to take a look at Cry Havoc. This is a new game from Portal Games and it will be re- releasing right around Gen Con timeframe in 2016. Uh, now, what this is is kind of your dudes on a map style game. But don't run away screaming if you don't usually like that kind of game. This has a little bit something new, I think, for folks. Uh, the theme of the game is uh, these different races, humans and these kind of magical pilgrim types of folks, and these machines, uh, just a race of machines, are trying to uh, take and exploit this new planet who which is inhabited by these trogs, which are these big bulky kind of stone characters. And there's a special resource there, and they're trying to grab that from the planet. So they like avatar and uh, you can play two to four players now if you play it two and three players the game itself actually to a degree is controlling the trogs. although other players can kind of dip in and control it and kind of use it against the other players but when you play with four players then an actual player will be playing the trogs, and they'll be able to win the game Uh, so it reminds me a lot of nexus ops so if you enjoyed that game i would certainly take a look at this one and and take a look at it and watch the walkthrough Uh, if you did not like like that style of game i would still take a look at this because it's kind of a souped up revved up a um, little bit more design first kind of thing going on uh, let's go ahead and just jump into it though and then i'll tell you what i think about it at the end okay so i've got the game here set up for three players this board is actually double-sided on the other side you have a two-player side and on this side you play the three or four player uh, game And here you can see the map of the world now, if we were playing a four-player game, the Trog we'll start here, you can see Trog HQ, but we're playing three-player, and the reason I'm discussing three-player is because I want to talk a little bit about how the Trog actually works, you know, when it's sort of operated with a little bit of an AI or actually operated by the other players. When they are in play as a four-player game, they play pretty much just like everybody else, but each of these four different factions has very asymmetrical powers and buildings and units and things but all of the basic actions like moving recruiting units drawing and playing cards etc that's all basically the same now over here to the side you can see i've got the different setups for the different factions you can see there's different buildings here and there's also different cards that they're going to get and the different units and so on And there's also, on the board here, a few things to take note of. Now we can see here is the headquarters of the different factions. We have these tokens out here, and these are actually out even when the trog player is playing. And as players move in here, we're going to place trogs and crystals on these different regions. So some of the regions themselves actually will start with some crystals. You just scan the board there and take a look at these different symbols you can see there under the region name. The other thing to note about this is this tells you which kinds of cards you can play in battle. I'll talk more about that in a minute, but think of that as the terrain. So some of the cards that you can play, the tactics that you can execute, are based on the terrain of the place where you are at. The other thing that you might here have on the board are these exploration tokens, and these are usually beneficial, or always beneficial for players as they move in. Sometimes you can also have uh, these trog nests here, on the other side of the board, these will actually come out at setup as well. So these will be just a little bit worse in terms of the number of trogs, but also probably have some more crystals. You can also see that the map actually wraps. So you have these arrows here. This will come back on top. And this one, if you go out here, you can come back through here. And also, the other thing to mention just about the trogs is they will get t- tunnels and they'll be able to move, only they will be able to move as if these different regions were adjacent and they can actually build more tunnels through the course of the game. So how a game's gonna work is we're going to play at least five rounds. And this is the scoring track that you can see here. And players have tokens of their color there that they're gonna be tracking their score. And the first thing you're gonna do every round is flip over the next event tile. So you can see I've had one there at the start, two, three, four, and then down here, I've placed this marker and this is final scoring. So the fifth one, the fifth round that will be, the scoring will be enabled for the end of that round. So the first thing you're gonna do in the game is flip over the event token and then you're gonna do it. So remove two crystals from the region with the most crystals. Or you may actually get, every player can draw a terrain tactic card and so on. So these are kind of good and bad. And then as players play though and they score points, let's say that the yellow player scored a lot of points here and he shot up here to 14. Then as he passes this, this event is gonna move down And stack on the next one and we're actually going to flip over and do both of these events so in that case he's also shortened the game by a round because he shot up and score so quickly so you're always going to resolve all the events but if somebody shoots up really high you're going to resolve both events and play one less round and then obviously once we get down to here then this means scoring is going to be always be enabled for the last round because you're not always going to score every single round. Players are going to have to dictate that a little bit. So if we take a one a player's kind of faction area here, where there's a couple things to notice. First thing is we do have a sort of a main board here, and this gives you the turn structure. So like I said, the first thing is the event. You're going to update the initiative, refresh skills, and so on, and play through the round. And that gives you down here a list of your sort of basic actions that you can do. And then all of the factions have three separate buildings these will be out and then you'll have tokens that match these so you can see here's the airfield here which allows you to fly ships around and get at least temporary control of some of the regions and you can build these structures so you can build up to three of these airfields here now you can never build the same structure in the regions but all of these factions have three except for the machines which you might expect up here they actually have five buildings that they're able to uh, build on their turn and as you can see, the different units here are different. So this is kind of your typical space marine, your earthlings, your humans. Here we have the pilgrims, and these are sort of a little bit more mystical types of creatures. And then lastly, we have the machines there. And these are just all these mechs that they're going to be. So these are all the units that you're going to get. And I'll show you the trogs here in a second. Uh, the other thing that you're going to have is the skill cards. And so you're always going to have, let's see if I can find the default one, yep. So the rules tell you to kind of play of a basic game. Everybody just pulls their default skill and you just kind of tuck it here on the side of your board. And then you can take, for like an average game, you take one random skill plus the default skill. And then for a veteran game, you take a default skill plus two random. Uh, so I, would, I don't know that you would ever want to play with all these enabled because it might get kind of wonky and out of balance. I expect that would actually happen because uh, I have seen some combos like, ooh, that's dastardly. You got to watch out for that. Um, even just you know playing with the veteran rules so you're gonna have a variety of these skill cards and sometimes you'll have these tokens here the skills will tell you to put uh, these tokens out on the board Uh, the last thing you have these control markers and these are going to show control of the different regions that you have and then each player starts with a little deck of their tactics cards and you can see a number of things on these cards during your turn which I'll talk more about in a minute you can kind of spend them for either or. So they're multi-use cards. So this one, you could move three units or one unit, three spaces. Uh, This one, you know, you get a little bit of move out of it. Uh, This is for recruiting and so on. So you're kind of having to choose what to do with the cards, Uh, but you might also save them for battle. And this will give you a little battle tactic. So when you have a battle that happens, you wanna save these and so you can kind of mess around with your opponent that way. So that's a general overview of what each faction gets. So let's go back to the turn. So again, after the events, you may update the initiative. Now there is a card that each faction has in here that when they play it, this one here, and... When you choose to do one of these actions, you can see the exclamation point. So in addition to doing the recruit or whatever, you can position yourself on the initiative track. So at the start of the game, this is random. And then let's say Blue had played it. So he may drop out and say, you know what? I want to go last next turn. And so at the start of the next round, and then we're going to reorder this to match whatever the upcoming initiative is and so on. And this may change from round to round. And this, after you do the event at this point, you actually update the initiative and the turn order is now set for the following round. Now after you update the initiative, you're gonna refresh skills. The one thing about these skills is they can only be used once per round. Now you can do these in addition to your actions. So if you had all three skills up and you wanted to play a couple of cards from your tactics deck and then activate all three of those you could, but you're done for the round. So now you're uh, gonna refresh those And then the next thing you're gonna do is always gonna draw four cards out of your deck. So as you play cards, uh, you don't kind of like automatically draw cards. You can actually take actions to draw some extra cards, but each round you're gonna draw four. You do have a hand limit of seven, so you have to discard down to seven after that. And then you're gonna have three rounds of actions. So players are going to take a round of playing action. So once all the players take an action, you move this down, everybody takes another action, move it down, everybody takes a third action, and then we're going to resolve any combats at this point. So you may trigger a combat in your first round of actions, but you're not actually going to resolve it until later. So there's going to be a lot that might change if you just march right in right away, There's some stuff can happen. You don't have battles right away. So what are the actions? So the first action you can do is move. And I kind of showed that already. You have these arrows here. so you can discard any number of cards. Let's say I just wanted to, for fun, wanted to do this. Like I said, I'm going to do a move. And so I'm going to discard this one, this one, this one. So I have four or five movement points. And this will also trigger my ability to change the initiative because I did that. Sometimes you might have a little card symbol here. So in addition to whatever you chose, you draw a card or you might have a star and you'd actually score some points for playing the card. Those kind of effects will usually come out of these decks here, which I'll talk about in a minute. Uh, So I can do that. Now I've got five movement points to spend. So you can take and move, let's say four people, one spot and then another person, another spot, which wouldn't necessarily be legal in this case, but you can kind of split up those movement points how you need to uh, you can move one person five spaces if you really wanted to now if you move into an area that has let's say other troops and you know, let's say move in there then he would have to stop if you move into any areas here with these trog encounter tokens you also have to stop now once you move into an area here you're going to resolve these tokens here uh, in a certain order you're always going to do these exploration tokens first and like i said here these are helpful so draw one terrain tactic card You might get this one here, which is place two troops from your reserve, which means off the board, uh, into that region, which is always a bonus to find. So you can resolve those, and then you resolve any of these trog tokens here. So this is, say, place two trog and two crystals in the region. So we'll go ahead and place two crystals here, and now we can take a look at the trog there. And these are kind of these big rock-looking guys. So these guys are going to come in here. So now, because you're in a zone here with an opposing faction, you're going to take the lowest numbered battle marker and in cases of one, so we're going to say okay. So once we do all our actions, this is the first battle that we're actually going to resolve. And so the next time that somebody moves in and there's a contested area, you'll take the second one. And that'll be the second battle that's going to happen in that particular area. Now, it's worth noting, once there is a battle token here, unless you have a special ability, you can't move in here. Nobody else can move in here and the defender can only leave with a certain amount of troops. So it's a, it's a little bit interesting to explain. It's very simple though. So when the attacker moves in, you're actually gonna put them on the battle token that shows who the attacker was. Now later on, if this wasn't a, a computer controlled player or the game controlled player, they could move out troops, but only more than double the attacker. So in this case, that would be eight because there's four here. So if the Trog had more than eight, which would be pretty rare, then they could move the excess out uh so but let's say he we moved in here you know with one then you still wouldn't be able to move him, anybody out so only the defender now can leave here and try to escape but you've got to; these troops are kind of pinning down most of their troops anyway Now that's a move, the next thing you can do is recruit. And so you can play any number of cards here uh, and use their recruit icon. So let's say I played this as the blue player. I've moved all of my troops out of the base. I've discarded that and I have two recruit icons. And so then they come out. So that's the recruit action. The next thing you might do is build. And so you can see these wrenches here. So you you can use these to build build buildings and to actually activate buildings. Now the thing to note about buildings is you have to control the area There can't be a battle token happening in the area you can't build buildings in your recruit area and remember i said you can't have two of the same type so let's say these trogs were out of town and blue actually was controlling this and the turns have moved along a little bit he could now build in a harvester here and he would build one of these and you can see the cost on the card itself on this card stock here. Uh, So the build cost is two of those wrenches and then you can actually activate it for one wrench. So if I played a card with three wrenches I could build it and activate it. You can only activate it once per action round but on a future round I could activate it again but I couldn't like do this a whole bunch on one turn. And this is add one crystal from the supply to your pool. Now we'll start to talk a little bit about the Asymmetric qualities, but these pilgrims here they kind of mess with and get these kind of mystical powers out of the crystals. So they have a little crystal pool, so they'll pull this out of supply and add this, and then we'll use these and spend these uh, to do different things. Buildings are all different. (laughs) Uh, So the humans they have these different ways of like getting to faraway spaces. Here's an artillery battery which actually allows us to deploy these tokens to other battles that are that we're not necessarily directly uh, involved with with our troops. The machines the red faction has this orbital sniper and so they can zap a troop out of a region as long as there's not already a battle token there uh, there's just a ton of variety uh, in the different buildings and of course the trog player uh, if you're playing a four player game has uh, very cool abilities on their buildings too so you can spend wrenches to build buildings and or activate buildings and you can do as much as you want you just spend as many wrenches but just remember you can only activate each building one time on a turn Now, the other thing that you can do is you can actually draw these tactic cards. Now, you can either draw off the top of your own deck or you can draw from one of these four uh, different terrain decks here. And there's a couple things to notice about this. But when you do that, you're going to draw and you're going to take two cards off of either deck, either your own deck or one of these. You take two. You're going to keep one in your hand. Say we'll take a distraction, keep that in our hand. And then you'll shuffle this deck back up. And then that will be your action for that turn. Now let's take a closer look at these. You can see these have a matching symbol to some of the terrain that's on the board. So you've got water, mountains, and you've got kind of this desert symbol and the swamp symbol. Well, all of these cards have battle tactics. Now, not all the cards in your starter deck have battle tactics. Some of them are just the icons. But these also tell you which icons these have. So all of these swamp ones have these two recruits. All of these uh, deserty ones have each one of each of these, but they allow you to draw another card off of your deck when you play them. And then if we zoom down there, you can see these all have three build points and these have the movement and so on. So uh, you want to sort of, you know, choose the card based on what you might need in your deck. Like if you're the Red Faction, you might go to the mountain area to get some more ore, for example. And these will give you more abilities to build buildings. But you also want to take a look at these symbols here then see what areas you're in and what you might be moving into on the board. Because when you go to play the tactics cards during battle, you can play any from your starting deck, but only those from those terrain decks matching that symbol. Now the last action that you can possibly do on your turn is actually enable scoring for the end of the round. Now each player has in their deck this card here that says action enable scoring. So you just play this card. When you do that, you ignore all these icons there. And then you're going to take your Enable Scoring token. So in this case, the L player would take theirs. You're going to stick it up here like that. And only one player can enable scoring per round. And you may go a couple of rounds. It's feasible that nobody enables scoring. And so nobody's really scoring any points, uh, at least at the end of the round. You'll score points during battles and so on. But... So you're going to go ahead and do that. Now, like I said, in the last round, the game itself is going to enable scoring. So the scoring is going to work a little bit different when the game does it. So when a player does it, what's going to happen at the end of the round, player that enabled scoring is going to get a point for each region that they control. So in this case, yellow would get four. And they're going to get a point for each crystal in the regions that they control. So in this case, they would get two points there. Now everybody else is just going to get points for the crystals. So blue here, instead of getting three points one for the region and two for the crystals, they're just gonna get the points from the crystals. Now, if you're playing with the trogs, they actually only score uh, for half the crystals they have rounded up. At the end of the game, nobody scores for the regions, it's just purely about uh, the crystals. But one thing to know is, again, this is a card you've gotta play which is gonna go in your discard pile and may not actually uh, come up. Now one thing you can do with the deck, uh, which we didn't notice on our first game, but reading some of the rules in the back, it's actually pretty important, is you can actually play cards sort of along with cards to just kind of dump them out of your hand. So if you're like, I'm going to play this and move once, but I'm also going to discard these and not actually spend those, just so you can cycle through your deck, because maybe you want to get back to, you know, either this card or another card. So that's something that you can do to push yourself through the deck. Otherwise you might get kind of stuck. After you've done your three rounds of actions, like I said, you're gonna go through and resolve the battles in this order. And then you're gonna see who the attacker was and they're gonna distribute their forces on a separate battle board first, followed by the defender. However, in this case, we're playing against the Trogs, which don't have a player in a three-player game. So the player to the blue player's left is going to control the actions of the Trog and actually even be able to play their own cards from their deck to help uh, play some of the tactics. So like I said, you've got these different cards that you're gonna keep for battle tactics. So when you're actually controlling the Trog as sort of a, you know, manipulating player, you're having to make a decision to actually use your own cards and put them in your own discard pile and affect this battle to negatively affect the blue player, but (laughs) you've spent that card for the turn. So if you've got a battle coming up later, then you've got to really think about that because then you're not going to be able to use that card. Here is the battle track and it gives you a nice little step-by-step breakdown of the battle. Now the first thing you're actually going to do is you're going to add a crystal to the region where the battle is going to take place. So it's going to make that uh, region a little bit juicier even to fight over. And so now the attacker is going to place in their case these four and you're going to choose the theater or the objective that you're trying to control so you, as this uh, pilgrim player i might try to place two here into the region control and then just for fun not necessarily a good idea i'll place one here and capture prisoners and then one here in attrition and then the controlling player or if you're fighting a player directly is going to take their tokens and then they're going to put these so maybe we'll put here these two and then we'll go ahead and just put this one this one here like that so if nothing changed here then what we're going to do is we're going to walk down to resolve these majorities and this attrition here at the bottom. Now before you do that, you actually have a chance to play cards. Starting with the attacker, they could play here an uh, objective card, and, or excuse me, a tactics card. They can play this one here. So this one will actually say, move one of your troops from one battle objective to a different one. So I could say, you know what, I really want to control the region. I'm going to move him up here, like that. And then... The other player, the defender, could play a card or play a card in favor of the trogs there. Maybe they'll fly in some air support here, and it says move, add one unit from your reserve onto any battle objective. And again, if you're playing for the trogs, you grab a trog out of the reserve. And so we'll go back and forth. Now, once you pass playing the battle cards, you can't play anymore, then your opponent can keep playing them. Now, once that happens, you're going to resolve here these like I said. So the first thing you're going to resolve is whoever has the majority in this particular box is going to be the controller. They're gonna take control or keep control of the region. If it's a tie, it goes to the defender. And if you have control, then you actually get two victory points on the spot and the defender themselves has to retreat. Uh, when the trogs are not controlled by a player, they actually go off the board and then we'll flip up a new uh, trog token and then we'll, we'll, we'll put that in an adjacent spot. You have to retreat to uh, a friendly region. You can't retreat to a neutral region or else they've got to go off the board. Then we're going to work our way down here. Now, whoever has the majority here is actually going to be able to take one of the opposing uh, units, and these actually should stay on here. You can take one of the opposing units from anywhere on this board and take it prisoner, which you probably wouldn't normally want to take it from down here if there was a, a troop there. So you take that and keep it defender. Now, you're going to score one point every round after we resolve all the battles for each prisoner that you have now you can spend two points and actually take a prisoner back from somebody if you need to Uh, so that's kind of interesting and that's also one of the main tiebreakers at the end of the game is the number of prisoners so you go down here and work through the prisoners and then down here uh this one you don't actually account for majority i should have said i think uh, if this is tied nothing happens um it's whoever has the majority here now down here each of us will get to kill uh one other Of our opponents tokens there and there's actually some abilities the humans have got one where they can sneak in and put tokens and different skill tokens out here and they can actually participate in attrition in a battle they're not even involved in Uh, but for each person you kill to go back to the reserve and then you get a victory point you do the first battle you'll go to the next place that has battle number two and so on and resolve all the battles like I said everybody gets points for prisoners at the battle then you check again if scoring was enabled for the round, you do all the scoring based on the next round, you, you grab the next event, you do that, and then you go back into uh, playing all your different actions. You play in five or even less rounds, and then whoever has the most victory points is the winner. Okay, so that is Cry Havoc. Uh, what I think of it, well, this is kind of a one where it's like, where do I start, really? Uh, first, let's start with player count, because that's always a good spot to jump off of. I think this plays excellent at every player count. Now, I haven't played with three, so I shouldn't really say that, but it played awesome with two and great with four, and I really expect three to to work. Um, now, like I said earlier, this kind of reminds me of Nexus Ops, which you kind of need the full player count for. Uh, this, the whole controlling of the you know, the AI or the, the third player, the dummy, it's not even a dummy player really, but you're controlling the trucks, you're controlling the natives of this land. And it's really a balancing and a weight of a decision About you know how much do I really invest in this battle where I'm controlling the trogs versus you know I've got to keep these cards for my own battle. It's very very you know it's a tough decision, Um, and it's nice to have that kind of third entity out there because right away you're you know you're having battles you're you're having to deal with this this native resource here this native you know folks that this is their their home planet you're trying to jack all their crystals and their energy from and it just really puts you right into it right from the beginning um, and it can be a big decision to throw your weight kind of behind them in terms of helping them fight back you know this other opponent they could be more advantageous to you to spend some of those resources and those cards against them because then maybe you're going to grab a huge cache, you know of these crystals um, the different factions play completely, totally different, really. I mean, the basic actions are all the same, but the machines, you want to really go after uh, a lot of those those, those, those mountain areas and, and mines and, and get some of those uh, machines and, and those buildings and really start activating them and really being annoying. Uh, because, you know, some of those where it's like allows you to kill units outside of combat are just like... I mean, they can be a a big shift and and be really annoying too. When it happens, you're like, oh, well, I was going to march into that territory, but now I'm down two people. (laughs) So I'm just going to sit here with these guys. You know, I had these big plans. Um, So those are annoying too, but the humans can also be annoying because you can spread out your control. You can get up, you know, buildings and you've got these sometimes, uh, Depending on the skill card that you get, uh, you have these little combos that you can do. You can just kind of immediately score a few points for control of these different uh, regions. Now, you can actually put your control markers into spots with Trog tokens uh, because they haven't quite, like, woken up or anything. But once some actual figures get in there, then, of course, the control will shift. Um, So they're annoying in that case. Uh, Like, you know, the blue ones, like I talked about, they manipulate the the crystals themselves and they can do some cool special abilities. And the Trogs are just, like, going... They're kind of zergy in a lot of ways. And then they've got the tunnels and they can lay traps and all that stuff. Uh, So... You really are going to focus on exploiting your special abilities, exploiting your special buildings, and and you know trying to win the game through those means. Uh, so that's excellent, and you know that kind of leads me into the whole production side of it. I think it's really fine production. Everything looks graphically really good. I like the different miniatures, and you know having the little bases clipped on there is very nice. And I think I'm actually paint these because uh, they, they're they're nice little miniatures for this style of game. Uh, the next thing to talk about i think is the card play itself and i think this is what uh, all the other stuff is nice it's good but this is what anchors the game is you know you have a card here and let me just try to put this up as an example so you've got these symbols right that those are nice maybe you get some some build actions going on but you also have this battle ability here and so that's a tough decision to how do I use these cards because the game is very very tight in a lot of ways where it's like oh okay I'll kind of get stuff out there but once that board gets crowded and it's going to get crowded quick you've got to really think about holding those certain battle tactic cards back because as you saw in the example there well I'm like shifting guys from one region to another from one kind of theater to another you know maybe it was so important for me to get region control because it has a huge cache of those crystals that's going to get me a lot of points so if somebody starts like manipulating the order of the resolution of that track sometimes or moving guys up and down that's really going to swing a lot even though uh you know you might have you think you have like a a, a troop advantage but you've got to be not be cocky about it because even if you have like five troops and they've got three like oh i've got a pretty good advantage and i'll do some here and i'll sprinkle one here well they play a couple of cards and now things are completely different inside of that uh you know that objective track and the other thing is though is as the game kind of progresses you may get to situations where you don't have very many cards because you spent them, you know, doing different stuff on the turn. So you may actually only have one battle tactic card to spend. And you're like, oh, I'm in three battles and I have one battle tactics card. <laughs> so I'm not really going to win on any of these because I did not properly plan. And there's that complete agony over the card play. And over what you do, and you could have the other situation, which happened yesterday, is I had a bunch of cards and I was ready, but then I had like nothing to move stuff with. I couldn't get to some of these different regions that I needed to get into, is because I wasn't even really thinking. I was so thinking down the roads of winning, going here, winning this battle, you know, building up this this building to get some uh, my control tokens spread out. And then at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, well, I really wanted to move more than one troop into the next region, but I've only got one arrow left. So that whole kind of like, you know, synergy between your hand of cards and what you're trying to get out of it is it's it's like very kind of basic and easy. It's like, you know, you play this for move, you play for, for the recruit, but you've got to really take a kind of a holistic view of your hand and see like, okay, what? What am I supposed to be doing here? And I don't want this next sentence to scare people away, but it really reminded me of Mage Knight. Because in Mage Knight, you get the hand of cards, you're like, oh, okay, I have a headache now. (laughs) Because I'm trying to figure out the best way to do it. Now, in this game, it's not as crazy heavy like Mage Knight. But it's it can be a, a noodle to chew on because it can be very difficult to figure out what the right thing to do is. And that has more actually to do with the other players than necessarily the cards in your hand. But you've got to really kind of suck out of there, okay, what 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 are you trying to tell me here, hand of cards? Are you trying to tell me that I should lock down, I should build some uh, you know, some structures and then worry about stuff for next turn, you know, so on. So it's just a lot to kind of spin through and go over. Uh but yeah, that's kind of the th- The three kind of thrusts of it for me is it works awesome at the different player counts, which is not usual for this kind of game. It just is not. The card play is just horrendously, like, stressful. And then the four different factions play really very, very very differently, and it's very fun to try to you know I don't want to play the pilgrims now I'm going to play the humans and I don't want to really even try to exploit that. And it reminds me a lot of you know something like uh, Cthulhu Wars or Chaos in the Old World that kind of type of vibe where each faction just really has a, just a ton of different special effects. Um, and the game, so the last thing I'll close with here is the kind of the length of the game. Uh, the box says one to two hours, and I think that is certainly uh, correct. I could see now a two-player game getting played maybe less than an hour, um, but that would be after you've played it a couple times. But you can certainly play a two-player game in an hour and, and knock it out, and it would be fun. And a four-player game, you know, probably take you about two hours. But again, that could probably come down if the whole table was experienced. So you've got this kind of, um, I see a lot of uh, comparisons to, I guess, Kemet and Blood Rage, and that kind of thing. And I, and I understand those comparisons. I do. Uh, but this is a this is a quicker sort of version. It's a little bit in a, in some ways, it's a little bit more accessible because you have your basic stuff. You move, you recruit, boom, 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 and then then it anchors it with this like, haha, guess what? You have a tough decision with this deck of cards. That thing which really kind of puts it down so it really shrinks that space and kind of streamlines those style that style of game uh, which is what Nexus Ops really did in a lot of ways it was kind of this very streamlined risk with on an alien planet you know when you were c- trying to control these different resources so it has that kind of vibe there um, but it's like it just it, this is like a smooth sheen, uh polish with with uh, in a very shiny metal <laughs> so I highly recommend this game loving the game uh, I don't ever need to play Nexus Ops again and probably yeah so I'll leave the other I'll, I need to play it some more times before I start comparing it to like uh, more seriously to games like Kemet and uh, oh, what's the other one I was thinking it reminded me of I don't remember but uh, so yeah so it's right up there in that kind of very well fine honed design dudes on a map attacking game (laughs) so anyway definitely definitely take a look at this one thanks